0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part three in the series The Armour of God. This is the evening session of Sunday the 26th of July 2009 and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 18. Here's Pastor Russ Iverson. Well I'm thankful to be able to be here tonight. I'm thankful for Brother Curtis Allowing me the opportunity and uh I'm thankful that you all showed up tonight and uh, I've been places where that uh, after I'd been there on a service, nobody came back i got I need to say one thing though uh it's been a real thrill and a blessing to be here uh in the services because uh the last 20 years uh, over in the wilderness on the Junction 3, we had no instrumentalists, and it was all a cappella, and uh, a lot of times it was just one fella. And uh, and uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to uh, be treated to, uh, to the uh, musical abilities that are here. In Ephesians chapter 6, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication on the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We pick up again in verse 12 this evening. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're dealing with a spiritual warfare. We've seen that in reality the, the battle of the child of God, again, again is not against blood and flesh. But rather against an, an entire hierarchy of spiritual beings. Our word principalities, tos archos, the accusative plural feminine article and noun, the chiefs, the, the authorities, the, the powers, the uh, rulers, the principalities. Then he goes on, prostas tas exousios, toward the authorities. Uh, jurisdictions, powers. Here you're talking about uh, uh, what is considered to be legal authority, government, uh, prostos uh toward the world ruler, Satan, worldly prince, monarch of the world. Uh, one lexicographer said, uh, power paramount in the world of the unbelieving and ungodly. There is truly a hierarchy in the unseen spirit world. And in Daniel, the evidence is there that this hierarchy is real. Uh, I want to uh, pick up in Daniel uh, chapter 10, if we may please. Scripture says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel who is "'Name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, "'but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing "'and had understanding of the vision. "'In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. "'I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, "'neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled.' In the And in the four-and-twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidikil, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude and I Daniel alone saw the vision for the man that uh, men that were with me saw not the vision but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves therefore I was left alone and I saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness was turned in me unto corruption and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, uh, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken, this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground and became dumb. Behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remaineth no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came one again and touched me, one lacked the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And he, he said, when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, Knowest thou, therefore, wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia, and when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Gracia shall come, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince." You have a situation here where that Daniel had because of his study of the scriptures come to a realization that uh, that the 70 years that were spoken of by Jeremiah were to come to an end. And he began praying to the Lord and he's given a vision and he sees the Lord And he converses with Gabriel. But Daniel is in mourning because of the conviction of the Word of God. He did not partake of the Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. As we've been told, this is the first month. And uh, it is the month Nisan of the year 536 B.C., the third year of the reign of Cyrus. Cyrus. And Daniel is given, as we've said, a view of the glorified Christ. And uh, the, the the description that we have here reminds me of in Acts chapter 9 when the, the, our blessed Lord <laughs> knocked Paul off of his horse and uh, dealt with him there. Or we find that you have uh, much in common here uh, with uh, that of Ezekiel. And if you'll look with me in Ezekiel chapter 1 and uh, verse 26. Ezekiel chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 26. And uh, there Ezekiel records, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, and as, as the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man. Uh, above, upon it. And I saw as the color of amber as the appearance of fire round about within it from the appearance of his loins even upward and from the appearance of his loins even downward I saw as it were the appearance of fire and it had brightness round about as the appearance of the bowl that is in the cloud in the day of rain so was the appearance of the brightness round about uh, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Or we can see a comparison as well with that of the Apostle John on Patmos in Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation chapter 1, picking up there, verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. Clothed with a garment down to the foot and girded about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand the seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. The point that we desire to see Daniel uh, is seen, and 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 Gabriel is is speaking. But we we see in uh, in uh, uh, back in uh, Daniel, and I've just lost my chapter, and uh, Daniel chapter ten, uh, picking up verse twelve to fourteen. Uh, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. Daniel prayed. Daniel was under conviction. He'd been in the word of God. And he asked questions of God, and he wanted an answer. And Gabriel was sent to him with a message. But he was withstood. Three weeks. Three weeks he was withstood. He was opposed. There is an active warfare going on that you and I cannot see with the physical eyes. He goes on, he says, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now i am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Now, it's interesting. Gabriel is withstood by the demons who are assigned to the leadership of Persia. Daniel was taken into captivity as a 13, 14-year-old man by Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon has fallen to the Medo-Persian Empire. Cyrus, the Persian, is on the throne. And it is the demons who are assigned to Cyrus, who stand in opposition to Gabriel coming to answer the prayer that Daniel had prayed. They don't want him to know. They don't want him to have the answer. We see in verse 20 and 21, Then said, He knowest thou, wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece, you will come, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. And, uh, and, uh, Gabriel comes and he gives assurance to Daniel and, uh, he lets Daniel know that, uh, there's going to come another. And, uh, following the persian empire you have the empire begun by alexander the great and uh, and uh, but yet michael is the other archangel and uh, but there are demonic spirits assigned to the human leaders of world government uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, all the way down the tiers of government government Human government was ordained of God, and it was there to promote righteousness. It was there to protect the practice of right biblical living. I don't know that as we look around human government today that we could say that it's fulfilling its mandate. But it's because of the, the influence in the unseen world. Otherwise, why would, we, why would Paul have spoken uh, and commanded us in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 uh, to pray for those in authority? I, I've got it folded over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. There we are. He says here, 1 Timothy, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks... On the rare occasions they get it right, we need to rejoice in it and give thanks. Paul says there's another place to give thanks in all things. Even when they get it wrong, we need to give thanks for them. But we see also in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, picking up in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There is that warfare. And there is a war that goes on to even try to subvert, if you please, our very thoughts and to disrupt us from a time of fellowship with God and a time of meditating in His Word and a time of being in prayer with Him that we might be what we ought to be. Mark it down. One thing, if 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 I've learned anything, 37 years preaching the Word of God, I can guarantee you that when I go into my office to pray and to get with my Bible and to get down and get with God and get the message He wants me to have for that particular coming service, the phone is going to ring, Somebody's going to knock the door, an emergency is going to take place. Uh, Something's going to happen in the neighborhood. The power's going to go off. I recall years ago when I lived on the corner of Park Road and Coventry Road in Bedworth. It was a rental house. And uh, my office was one of the front lounges to the house. I didn't know. What uh, I mean, I knew. I mean, on the other side of the wall behind my behind me was uh, the uh, the kitchen and the pantry. But I didn't know what the little metal box was on the other side of the that hung on that wall. And uh, until one day, I was preparing and I was dealing with a text that night that much corresponded with the topic that we're dealing with now, the spirit world and the spirit warfare. And uh, the electricity went off. That wasn't bad. I mean, I could open the curtain in front of my desk and I could carry on. I didn't need the light. But when the electricity went off, the whole house was vibrating because there was a bell ringing on the wall in the metal box. And was, it was—it reminded me of a, all the bells and the klaxons that went off when you had general quarters in the Navy. I mean, my desk was vibrating. I couldn't write, couldn't concentrate, couldn't think. And uh, I know who pulled the alarm because he didn't want me talking about him that night. There is a spiritual warfare. But our text picks up here in chapter 6 and verse 12. And uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And he says, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Pros ta pneumatica tes ponirias en ta Pros, again, is the preposition to or unto or towards. Uh, ta pneumatica is the accusative plural, neuter, article, and noun. The spirituals. The spiritual things. Tes is the genitive singular feminine article and noun ponirios comes from uh, uh, poniros which is evil or extremely wicked tes ponirios uh, actually the genitive fem- form here is of depravity of malice of iniquity of wickedness there is spiritual wickedness in he goes on, toi epuranioi, the dative plural, neuter article, an adjective, the heavenlies, the high places. Epuranioi is a compound. Epi is the preposition of superimposition over or above. Uranos is the sky or the heavens. So we're talking about above the visible heavens. It's used twenty times in our New Testament, Iparanioi, and it is used to define the abode of the Father. Uh, In uh, Matthew 18, 35, we see it used there, and uh, uh, there it says, uh, So likewise shall my heavenly Father be also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, their trespasses, and uh, there it is heavenly. Our Father abides in the heavens. It speaks to the abode of the Father of our Lord, our God. It is used to define the abode of those who, uh, uh, whose knees shall bow to Christ. Uh, for example, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, And uh, verse 10, and uh, there, uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And uh, one of these days, I think it's particularly in Revelation chapter 5, every knee in heaven will bow to Christ. Paul uses it in speaking of the difference between the earthly bodies and uh that we have now, and the the ones that uh, our brother is anxious to get a hold of our heavenly bodies in uh, one Corinthians chapter fifteen and uh uh Paul deals with it some there one corinthians uh, fifteen forty we see it uh, twice in uh, in that verse uh when he says there there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is other the other and uh, there it's the the word celestial uh the heavenly body uh or we see in verses 48 and 49 uh, it's used three times uh, uh as it is the earthly such as are they also that are earthly and as uh, it is the heavenly such as uh, also that are heavenly And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And we see it there three times as heavenly. But Paul uses it of the uh, uh, better or the uh, heavenly country in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, uh, verse uh, 16, I think it is. I'm having a problem reading my writing tonight. So uh, Hebrews 11:16, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. And uh, and uh, so there we see it's the the heavenly country, the <laughs> the New Jerusalem. In uh, Hebrews 12:22. It is the the heavenly Jerusalem. And uh, where he says here, but ye are come unto the Mount Sion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. But to understand the phrase that we're dealing with spiritual wickedness in high places, let me back up a wee bit. And uh, uh, because he's talking about... uh, uh, some of the parameters that he has placed on this discussion back in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, picking up in verse 1. He says here, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein uh, time past uh, you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, had our conversation in time past and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the man, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And uh, uh makes you appreciate the quickening that comes. We did at one time walk in that situation, but we've been set free. But notice here, Satan's domain includes the earth, and the atmospheric heavens as well as the stellar heavens. Satan as demons have the the power to deceive as well. We see in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 11 and uh, verse 13 to 15, uh, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves unto the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Satan can make himself appear as an angel of light. He can make wrong things appear right. You know, uh, kind of an illustration. Uh, when you see on the the bull, the, the, the the advertising boards, uh, the advertising, you don't see it much anymore. But when you used to be able to see the advertising for cigarettes, you always had the Marlboro man in a fantastic stretch of Colorado out there sitting on his horse and. Doing the things Marlboro men do and with their lariat and all that sort of stuff, and but they don't take you to the cancer wards, do they? They don't take you to the to the morgue where somebody's died—lung cancer, liver cancer, or all the other cancers that it comes. Or when they when they advertise the Devil's Brew, you've always got to an attractive, slinky woman in and a, and a romantic setting. But they don't take you to the ward where they have to put the alcoholics back together. They don't take you to the hospitals where people are dying of cirrhosis of the liver. They don't show you the broken homes, the abandoned kids, the beaten wives, They don't take you to the places where that, when alcohol has run its full course, the police and the doctors and the preacher has to go in to try to put it back together. They don't show you the downside. Satan doesn't show us the real truth. He hides behind a screen of bright light. He has the power to blind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Scripture tells us they're picking up in verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. My early days in the ministry church I was licensed to preach in. We cooperated in a rescue mission down in the docks of Honolulu, down in Hotel and Bethel Street, and uh, if you watch uh, Hawaii Five O, uh. A lot of it was filmed down there, but the camera didn't go into the places we went to pull people out of. there you could see the fruit of Satan's labors. You could see women, ancient, long before their time. You could see the broken bodies of young servicemen who've gone down there to taste the wares, winding up broken in more ways than one. The human tragedy, the broken lives, and yet when they see someone coming with a Bible, the language could not be used any place but there. Satan doesn't show you the real state of affairs as he sets out his wares to entice you in. But it would appear that the angels going on were created actually before the world and before time. In Job 38, Job 38, one of my favorite chapters in the Word of God, because for 37 chapters, the Lord has set back and uh, let Eliphaz and Elihu and Zophar and all these guys go on and on and on and on and on. And then the, uh, <laughs> Elihu takes up six or seven chapters, I forget, with all his profound Gnosticism and philosophy and worldly wisdom. And uh, the Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind in verse 30, thirty-eight, verse "Who is this that darkeneth counsel, my words without knowledge?" And every time I come to that passage that year, right on, Lord, tell him. But down here a little bit further, Job thirty-eight goes on and uh, "Gird up now thy loins, like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou?" When I laid the foundations of the earth, declare if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who hath laid the cornerstone thereof. Catch this. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. In the beginning... When God spoke that first word of creation, and every day for the next six days, when He said, Let there be, the angels of God rejoiced. They were there, and they watched as God spoke everything into existence. The angels are the sons of God here in this verse seven are spirit beings, the angels, accountable to God. And Satan was at one time numbered among them. Ah, and he, he came in and among them. We, 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 we see this in Job. In chapter 1, verse 6, then there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Or in two, one again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Well, in the book of Revelation, it would appear that after the cross, Satan no longer had access to heaven. But there were two instances in the in the heavens that uh, uh we can see. In Revelation chapter 12 picking up there in uh, verse 1 And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God unto his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found any more in heaven and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and satan which to see with the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. We see several things here. In verses 1 and 13, we clearly can identify the woman from uh, Genesis uh, 37, uh, 9 and 10. Genesis 37, verse 9 says, And he dreamed, Genesis Joseph, he dreamed another dream, and told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. He told it to his father and to his brethren. His father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? Well, they did in Genesis 46. Here is Israel. Israel and uh, the mothers of his sons and his 12 sons. It is Israel that we see here, the woman in Revelation and, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, Revelation 12, Israel produced the Messiah who crushes the head of the serpent. The first conflict in heaven is when Lucifer fell and took fully one-third of the angelic host with him into his servitude. Lucifer is the anointed cherub who hovered over the throne of God before that sin entered in. In Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28, picking up in verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and Perfect in beauty, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the uh, gold, and the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God and thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as Profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of the fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among this, the people shall be astonished at thee. And thou shalt be a terror, and, shall, and never shalt thou be any more or we see in Isaiah chapter 14, and uh, picking up in verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14 and uh, verse 12, the scripture says there, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Lucifer was this in the hierarchy of the angelic order was the supreme angel in a sense he was the boss of gabriel and michael and every rest of the one all the rest of them he hovered above the throne of god he was there to proclaim the holiness of god One of the reasons why that music in Christian circles is so controversially subject is because music was created in Lucifer to proclaim God's glory. And by and large, Satan has profaned it and used it as a means, an opening wedge to bring many into sin. We must be careful about music, but he brought down a third of the angelic host. In Revelation chapter twelve and verse five, we read again: "And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And a child was caught up into God into His throne. He'll rule with a rod of iron." when he comes and he sits upon David's throne and rules and reigns in Jerusalem for a thousand years. Israel, the nation, gave us Christ, who was crucified, who ascends, and who is, even now, our advocate. We see in 1 John chapter 2, picking up in verse 1, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. We find not only is he our advocate, he is our great high priest, we find in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us lay hold fast our profession. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need one of the weapons of our warfare is prayer and we have someone there who picks up the phone and answers but it is after this then that Michael we find in Revelation twelve seven, fights Satan And Satan no longer has access to heaven. He no longer can march in to the throne room of God. 12.7 of the revelation, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. The accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. Notice and they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb was shed on Calvary's cross. Deliverance was obtained on the cross of Calvary. It's after that we find that Satan's access to the throne room of God is cut off because he is a defeated foe. He was defeated at Calvary. The point that we're trying to make, the spiritual agents of wickedness are Satan's fallen angels. They're demon spirits. Uh, Their their domain is now restricted to uh, the stellar and the atmospheric heavens. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 2, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 2. Scriptures record, Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. We're talking here, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael are still in school. Um, They were taken captive in the first deportation of Nebuchadnezzar from Jerusalem. And Daniel 1 tells us that he sent his servants to go through the whole lot of them that uh, were, that were uh, brought captive and they were to take young men out and uh, that would be amenable or uh, had the, the, the wherewithal that they could be trained to serve in the government of the Babylonian Empire. And Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael are in that school. They are still in school when Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and it was some kind of dream. Here you have a man who is battle hardened. He was a general under his father, and uh, and uh, conquered much of the much of the world at that time while he was still a general under his father and then he succeeds his father and basically conquers the rest of the known world. And he has a dream. And it scares him spitless. Absolutely does. And he emphatically summons all of his learned counsel Notice who he summons. His counselors were involved in hallucinogens. His counselors were involved in astrology. His counselors were involved in necromancy. They talked to the dead, you know. Uh, we had a branch office directly across the street from us in Bedworth for 20 years. Calvary Baptist was on one side of the street. The spiritualists were on the other. They talked to the dead. They could draw the crowd. Those of us who talked to the Lord Jesus Christ, well, God's handful was faithful. So it goes on today. And they talked and they consulted the zodiac. Every bit of it was demonic. Every bit of it was demonic. It's interesting because the psalmist David said, Psalm 19, and verse one: "The heavens declare the glory of God; the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge." Genesis tells us in Genesis chapter one, and uh, tells us that the, there was a purpose. To the stellar heavens a purpose to the stellar heavens they were to give light they were to give uh, and they were used to determine the seasons they were used to determine the days and the years they were used to determine time Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night. And to divide the light from darkness and God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning or the fourth day. It's by the stars that up until the United States Navy launched the global positioning system uh, that uh, we used the stars to navigate. That's how we got around the world. That's how we flew around the world. That's how we sailed around the world. That's how we could find our way across the the vast land masses. We navigated by the stars. God gave them for His glory, God gave them for man's benefit. But Satan has corrupted them, he's corrupted them through astrology. And he's used them to bring praise and worship to himself. You see this as early as Genesis 10. Because in Genesis 10, we have the account of Nimrod. Nimrod was a man that was a great tool of Satan. Nimrod is the first king in human history. Nimrod is the man who instituted astrology. And the tower that Nimrod built, the ziggurat, was for the purpose of consulting the demons in the stellar heavens. He used astrology. Sir Leonard Woolley May I say, biblical scholarship owes a debt to the British Empire because some of the greatest archaeologists of all time, Sir Austin Henry Laird, Sir George Rawlinson, Sir Leonard Woolley, and a host of others were all there because the British Empire was there. But Sir Leonard Woolley discovered Ur of the Chaldees and excavated it. And he found there, when he began to dig, he found a complete tower, just like Nimrod's. And I've read his study of it. And each step of the way up, was named and colored after a planet in the solar system and when they got to the top there was the zodiac all of it was there i had the privilege to study under cyrus gordon who picked up and continued sir leonard's work and uh, the, the it's there it's proven and if you if you travel the world You'll find that when God dispersed Babel, those that were dispersed took the pattern with them. They took the worship with them, they took the whole system with them. You find it, for example, in, in Egypt, you find it in Central America, uh, in Mexico and in the, in the, in the, uh, down through Central America, the, the Aztec and the Mayan and the Inca civilizations, you find it on certain islands in the Pacific. They carried it around the world. Astrology was born with Nimrod. The first king, human king, was Nimrod. But God had a godly line. Because Shem lived. And it's because of the testimony of Shem that Abram left Ur of the Chaldees. But here you find The beginnings of demon worship, and Paul tells us over in one Corinthians chapter ten. One Corinthians chapter ten, picking up in verse nineteen. What say thou then, that the idol is anything, that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. When a sacrifice is made to an idol, an idol is nothing, it's a piece of wood, piece of stone. But the worship of the idol is the worship of the demon behind the idol. Again, it comes, though, as an angel of light. It comes as advertised as something to make one better. I mean, the whole counsel that Nebuchadnezzar had, these guys said that they could tell the future. They said that they could give Nebuchadnezzar wise counsel. But if you study it out, it all goes back to demon power. And that is how Nebuchadnezzar, up until the encounter with Daniel, was advised. That's how he governed. But when Daniel defeated the counselors and revealed the dream, he had opened the door. And folks, it's my conviction that one day very, very soon, you and I, We'll meet Nebuchadnezzar on the other side because of Daniel and his testimony and the testimony of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And I'll go further. The reason why the Magoi came that first Christmas, they didn't come to the stable. They came to a house. They didn't meet the babe. They met a young lad. They came out from the area around Persepolis, the reason they came is they had the Bible that Daniel left and Daniel's writings and the things that Daniel left because Daniel was the chief of the Magoi. And because of Daniel's testimony, those men, when they saw the Shekinah glory that night, They followed the Shekinah glory to the very house. That's a four-month journey, folks, by camel. But the writings of Daniel and the scriptures that Daniel had led them and prepared them. We say tonight, Satan is a defeated foe. He was defeated at Calvary and in the garden tomb. Colossians chapter 2, picking up in verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. They could not keep him in the grave. He broke the power of death that held us captive because he lives. We live. And he will, Satan will know defeat yet again. In Revelation chapter 20, and I saw an angel come down from heaven His defeat and his torment will be eternal at the end of the millennium. Daniel, or Revelation chapter 20, picking up in verse 7. And when 1,000 years expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, They went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. He is a defeated foe. Truth to tell, He has no real power over us other than the power to deceive, the power to oppress, the power to tempt. But folks, if we're saved, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have the author of this book and four times in the upper room, John fourteen, fifteen, and 16, our Lord told us what his ministry would be. It's to guide us to all truth. It is to teach us things to come. It is to teach us this book. And it's in this book we have our victory. Let me point out one other quick thing and we're done. Notice here in uh, Revelation chapter 20, Verse 10, it says there the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. But if you'll notice by contrast, Revelation 22, 5, we're talking about the, that blessed city. Oh, my. And there shall be no night there and they need no candle neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And uh, we find out in Revelation 21, the glory of God, the Lamb, is the light thereof. You and I, if we're saved, we have an eternal day where the Lord dwells in our midst. Back in the beginning, Adam and Eve were created. and The Lord himself came down and walked in the garden with them and fellowshiped in the garden. In Israel, the Shekinah glory abode over the mercy seat in the tabernacle in the midst of God's people. God's desire has always been to be in the midst of his people. In eternity, the saints will gather round and the Lord will be eternally in a long, eternal day in the midst of his people. But those who actively chose to reject the love of the truth, we find in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, they will be tormented day and night. Not only do the lost, those who followed the arch-liar and the arch-enemy of our souls, the Lord in Mark chapter 9 goes into explicit detail. They'll have an eternally regenerating body to be eternally eaten by the maggots. They'll have an eternally regenerating, regenerating body to be burned. And as they are throughout eternity, They will know the passage of time to intensify the torment and their suffering. But one other myth that the devil likes to propound he likes to propound the myth that those that go to hell go to party. I've had that told me I don't know how many times by people that say, I don't want to go to heaven and be where you are, all you straight-laced people that have no fun. I'll go to hell and I'll party. One of the other torments is eternal aloneness with the record of our sin and the record of the times that they rejected the gospel. And they'll know the passage of time for eternity our precious Lord still holds out the invitation whosoever will let him come and take of the water of life freely if you're here tonight and you know not the Lord Jesus Christ I don't know the terms to beg you strong enough to consider what Christ has to offer I don't know the term strong enough to beg you strong enough to get you to give this book a chance to show you your need and how it is met in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the offer is there to come. Don't go to that place of torment because it's beyond description. But we've seen what happens there? If you're here tonight, you've never trusted Christ. You need to trust him. And Those of us with unsaved friends and loved ones, we need to be serious about the business of praying for them because of the awfulness that awaits them. Father, thank you. In spite of the fact that the Word of God tells us the fate of the lost, the Bible clearly, repeatedly tells us of the love of God for the saints. It tells us how God agonized and agonizes and weeps over the sin of the lost. How God's prophets weep over the sin of the lost. The words of Paul ring out that I could wish myself accursed if it would save my brethren. Jeremiah wept. The Lord wept. More than that, he stayed on the cross and looked over in the Revelation chapter 5 at the innumerable host in heaven because of the price that he paid that we might be saved and washed by the blood of the Lamb. And he says, come. Come unto me, ye that labor, and I have you laden. Take my yoke upon you give you rest. Father, I pray if there is one here tonight that knows not Christ, that they'd take the opportunity to allow one of us to open the word of God and show them how they too might be saved. We ask that you'd have your perfect will and way in each and every heart, each and every life. In Christ's name we pray. you. Mm-hmm.